0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Wednesday, December the 11th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined by healthcare guru, Todd Campbell. Todd, how's it going? It's going great. I just
1: had my 50th birthday, and I'm preparing for my next 50 years. There you (laughs) go! Half
0: century down, another half century to come. And You've got nothing but life ahead of you, Todd. But happy birthday, um, of course, for me, and I'm sure from all of our listeners that are super excited for you as well. Um, And then I'm excited for this week's show, because we're talking about um, probably ironically, aging in place, Todd. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, today's show is all about the trend of aging in place. So, we're going to discuss some top stocks to put at the very least on your watch list, if not in your portfolio. Plus, we've got an exclusive interview with one CEO whose company is really at the forefront of this growing trend. And we'll get to that in the second half of the show. But first, Todd, let's just talk about the trend of aging in place. I mean, can you just very broadly define what does that mean for someone who may be unaware?
1: Well, there might be a Merriam-Webster dictionary definition for it. I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's more about just maintaining your independence as long as you can. And, you know, that means staying in your home, the place that you've lived your life, for as long as you possibly can. Um, and, you know, there's good reasons for wanting to do that, not just, of course, quality of life reasons, but also financial reasons.
0: Exactly. And I can I can speak to that. My father, uh, who passed several years ago, his preference was to age in place, even as he got sick. Um, and he basically just wanted to spend the final his final years in the comfort of his own home, but with that, of course, just required a tremendous amount of care and coordination. Um, of course, for me as his daughter, but also for my stepmother who lived with him. And then, let me tell you, it was really a team-based effort. And I, I think I've have such an appreciation for any company who's really trying to allow um, our seniors and our elders to age in place. And so there, there are a lot of trends that are really driving this. Of course. Todd, you and I have talked extensively on industry focused healthcare about our rising baby boomer population. Just some stats. By 2030, the United States for the first time will have more 65 and older residents than children. Um, so this is a huge wow. demographic and it's only going to continue to grow. And really, I think that's just one of the reasons why we're seeing. More and more focus, not just on seniors wanting to age in place, but also on trying to keep costs down as a lot of these seniors move out of the workforce and into retirement.
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of the diseases maybe that was that was resulting in people dying younger are you know being addressed now and being turned into chronic care situations. So, you know, just attack on another interesting stat for uh, that kind of speaks to that is that if you look at the population of people who are over eighty-five. You know, the ones theoretically that are going to be toughest to manage in place, that population is supposed to triple by 2050. Largely because, again, of these advances in in medical science.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, the generation prior, I know for my grandparents, um, some of them wanted to age in place, but for a lot of them, the expectation was that they would go and uh, move into, like, an assisted living facility um, and really spend their final years there. But, I mean, as, as, the cost of healthcare has gone up. Um, And really, I think, too, coming out of the the financial recession, you just have a lot more focus on finances overall. And for a lot of seniors, they just can't afford to move to these assisted living facilities. You're talking about monthly rates anywhere from $3,000 to $6,000 a month on average. And when you look at the average net worth of, you know, like a 75-year-old and above, you're looking at about two hundred and sixty-five thousand. The problem with that is that, sadly, a lot of that net worth is actually captured in their home equity, so it's not even necessarily liquid um, uh, cash that they have available to live off of. And uh, going back to the baby boomers, for them, when you talk about their average retirement portfolio, you're looking at about one hundred and eighty-six thousand. So, at the end of the day, we've got a rising baby boomer population, you have people that are living longer, and really, you just can't afford to go to these facilities to live out your final days. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people just want to be in the comfort of their own home.
1: Yeah, there's no bigger budget buster than assisted living. In um, skilled nursing, I mean, the, it's ex- extremely expensive, and it can wipe out your savings in the span of one or two years, as, as you indicated. I think about ninety-one grand plus for a year of, of skilled nursing. I think it's like forty-seven, forty-eight thousand a year for assisted living, um, and most people are not going to have portfolios big enough to be able to pay for that just off of interest. <laughs> you know, they're going to end up drawing down their savings. And with people living longer and longer and longer, that's going to get harder and harder to do. I mean, imagine 10 years or 15 years or 20 years of having to pay for assisted living like that. That's just it's
0: untenable for a lot of people. It's so, so true. So, really, for any companies that are in this space, both on the public front and on the private front, front, it's really interesting to look at them as investable opportunities, as we know this trend is only going to continue. Let's talk about a few of those stocks, ones that we like. Todd, I'm going to kick it over to you first. uh, Tell us about a company in this space that you think is a a potentially good investment.
1: Well, when we start thinking about aging in place, you start thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to still need help with day-to-day living. And some of my health care problems, you know, treating those. And, you know, if I'm not going to go into skilled nursing, then, you know, what are my solutions? And, you know, your, your son or your daughter, like you, you helped out your, your dad and, and we're helping out my stepmom and stuff. I mean, you can only do so much and still be able to raise your own family and, and take care of your own obligations. So you're seeing a significant increase in demand for home health care. And, you know, the ability for people to come in to your home and help you with um, managing your, your daily needs, if you will. Um, one of the biggest players in that space, and one that I think should be on every investor's radar, is LHCG um, Corp. And the symbol there is conveniently LHCG. And they're one of, actually, I think they're, after they've done an acquisition of Almost Home last year, they're now the second largest home health care provider. I believe they get um, 75 or so percent of their revenue from that. And then they do have a hospice business as well, um, which gets generates about eleven percent. And then they have a couple, you know, mishmash other businesses that contributes to the rest of their uh, of their revenue. But what is interesting to me about LHCG is that most of the locations that they offer that they work out of um, are four star rated or higher by Medicare. And Medicare is a major payer of these home health care services. According to the CMS, Medicare uh, National Health Expenditures Report last year, there was about 102 billion, billion spent on home health care in 2018. That's up from 71 billion in 2010. So you know, we're talking about 30 billion extra dollars being spent. And Medicare is about 40 billion of that. And if you have high star rating um, locations, you get bonuses. You get a little bit more favorable reimbursement. You also have the ability to steal away market share from low star. Quality um, providers. I mean, obviously, if you're looking for a home healthcare solution for your parent, your loved one, you're not going to, you're not necessarily going to go pick a one or a two star player, right? You want a four or five star player. In LHCG, they have about 97% of their facilities that are rated that way. So this is a very interesting, interesting company. I mean, it's not an unknown company. It's had a major run over the course of the last uh, year, year and a half or so. But I think that the demographic tailwinds that we outlined at the top of the show kind of, you know, really point to the, you know, potential for this to be a long-term story. I think as they consolidate and buy up more of smaller and smaller uh, competitors, I think consolidate market share. I think you can get consistent mid-single-digit revenue growth, and despite, you know, some of the compression on pricing and stuff like that, as they get bigger and bigger, there are advantages to scale. I think you're going to get, you know, maybe low double-digit Earnings growth over time. So this is one stock that I think that anyone who's kind of investing in the aging-in-place trend needs to be uh, thinking about.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. That's LHC Group. Um, another one, and I really don't think we can talk about aging-in-place without talking about. Telemedicine. And so, of course, Teladoc, and that's ticker symbol TDOC, is really at the forefront of the telemedicine movement. Uh, it's literally the global leader right now in virtual care. So, basically, they connect doctors with patients through video chats and phone calls over this subscription based platform. Um, and this is a company that, I mean, has been partnering with some of the largest health insurers. Um, Across the globe, really, United Health is one, which is the largest insurer by revenue. Um, looking at their most recent quarter, they actually saw revenue up 24% to $138 million. Um, but really, when you start looking at their stats, it's pretty impressive. Total patient visits have increased by an impressive 45% year-over-year, reaching 928,000. Um, and the number of paid members in the U.S. grew by 55% year-over-year. Um, They've got a revenue guidance raise. Also, they raised uh, visit guidance for 2019. And they're targeting about a 20 to 30% annualized growth rate for the next three to five years, at least. Of course, like a lot of tech-based companies right now that we're seeing, they're not profitable yet. Um, But I will say, Teladoc is on track to be at least cash flow positive for the full year. They've already been doing it, I think, uh, for the trailing 12 months. And right now, if you look at Teladoc, they've got a market cap right at around $5.5 billion, but they've got a massive market opportunity. We're talking about a global telehealth market being valued between $49.8 billion as of last year, and that's expected to reach $266 billion by 2026. So, I really don't think you can go wrong with a company like Teladoc that has such a massive opportunity. It's a leader in its space. And, hey, they've got a client base that boasts 40% of uh, the Fortune 500, plus thousands of smaller organizations, and they're continuing to grow. I think if you're thinking about telemedicine, how to make healthcare accessible to virtually anyone, Teladoc is definitely one that should be on your list.
1: Right. If you're a senior and you're managing a chronic uh, disease at home, being able to not have to worry about how am I going to get to that doctor appointment uh, is huge. That's going to be big, especially in rural rural communities. I would follow up with just one more stat on Teladoc. You know, you think about oh, they're going to do four million visits. That sounds like a lot. They're going to do four million visits this year. Well, you know, they're eight hundred and eighty-four million doctor visits per year, $884 and more than half of those are for primary care visits. So, you know, they are only scratching the surface of this market opportunity.
0: Just getting started, Todd. Um, But also, too, I think you've also got to look at pharmacy options. And you've got uh, a stock, and really a stock plus an acquisition that they made (laughs) fairly recently to add to the list. Tell us about that.
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of different ways to you can look at aging in place. One of the things obviously that people are going to have to figure out is how to get medicines to people where they are, right? <laughs> if you're not going to be in an institution like a a big building with lots of other people, uh you've got to figure out how to be able to get the medicine, you know, to a lot of different, you know, homes. And what we're seeing now is that is companies starting to roll out um Delivery at home delivery services. So, you know, CVS earlier this year they announced that you can get same day delivery of prescriptions at about 6,000 of their uh, pharmacies. I think you can get one or two day delivery at about 10,000 of their pharmacies. And you know, it's hard to believe that that's not going to be the way of the future. I think I read a story recently. There was actually uh, one of these major pharmaceutical pharmacy players. Actually, starting to, uh, to trial out using drones yeah,
0: <laughs> to so deliver Yes, you called medicines. it, Todd. You called it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know we talked about this on the show not that long ago, and sure enough, I see an article the next week where that could happen. I mean, it is, so I think that you know being able to uh, again, meet people where they are is going to be a big trend, and that um, isn't lost on Amazon, right? The Goliath uh, retailer, uh, Amazon, actually made a big acquisition, 750 million. Nothing for them, but still a good size acquisition of a company called PillPack back in 2018. And what PillPack does is it, you know, basically takes, aggregates together all your different prescriptions, gets them all on the same delivery cycle, puts them in nice little packages for you so you know exactly what to take and when to take it, and delivers that whole thing right to your house. And um, so, I think that when you think about, you know, how to make it easier for people uh, to, to manage with medication, um, that's that's going to be a trend that people are going to want to be paying attention to, mm-hmm. you know, just Delivery.
0: And of course, you know, Amazon, you mentioned Amazon and PillPack. Amazon is also testing out its own uh, telemedicine with its employees right now. So it'll be really interesting to see how they continue to expand in this space and just present, you know, competitive threats, I think, for just about everyone at this point. But um, speaking of medications, though, I think it's one thing to go to the doctor, get a medication, it's a whole other thing to actually manage. The care, manage a chronic condition. And so another company that I like in this space is called Lavongo Health, and that's ticker symbol LVGO. This is a company that actually recently made its debut onto the public markets. And so for so many seniors and really just patients in general, you're kind of Often left to fend for yourself when it comes to managing the disease, you're given the prescription, maybe some guidance from the doctor, but really you're on your own. And as you get older, you're taking more and more medications, and so it just becomes harder overall to manage that entire process. But if you're aging in place, um, I think Livongo is positioning itself. It's still fairly early in this in the space. It's positioning itself to really help everyone manage chronic conditions better. So. Lavongo Health was started by a father of a child who actually had diabetes. He was also the CEO of Allscripts. Later, um, I was a VC, but ultimately ended up founding Lavongo Health on the mission that he wanted to empower people with chronic conditions to live better and healthier lives. And so, Lavongo is really centered around this wireless ecosystem, plus 24/7 access to health professionals and really behavioral coaching to help patients manage their diseases. Um, Their first area of focus has been in diabetes, where you have more than 30 million Americans right now diagnosed with the disease. But through Livongo, they're able to collect and track more than 1 million blood glucose readings from a really broad member base and then actually provide actionable tips to these patients to actually manage their condition. Um, but they're not just stopping with diabetes, they're actually moving forward in other larger opportunities. You're talking about hypertension, pre diabetes, behavioral health, even weight management. And uh, when you look at it from just a chronic disease management perspective, this is large. About 60% of Americans live with at least one chronic condition just like diabetes. so This is an expensive endeavor, um, not just for patients, but also for our health system. I like Lavongo because it also has a subscription-based model. This is something we've talked about on Industry focused Healthcare um, a, a number of times, especially when it comes to any sort of med tech company. We like that predictable stream of revenue. Um, and they're also selling directly to employers and health plans and even government agencies as well. When I look at their third quarter revenues, 46.7 million. That's up 148% year-over-year. Year. <laughs> Astronomical. Just a, <laughs> Just a little. Just a little bit. Um, Gross margin, very healthy at 75%. Um, they've enrolled over 200,000 patients for Lavongo for Diabetes members. That's more than double over the past year. Of course, they're another one of these companies that's able to easily, easily up their guidance for the full year. So This is a company um, that I think is doing all the right things and really driving and pushing the needle when it comes to overall patient outcomes and trying to help people just manage chronic conditions.
1: Yeah, looking at the stock, it's one of the more interesting ones out there, and not just because of that rapid growth. I mean, yes, up 148 percent to 47 million, but I mean that is that is nothing when you talk about the size of this market. If you look at what Lavango has has said to Wall Street, they think that their total addressable market could be as big as 147 million Americans, and they're working with what 200,000 members right now, and their business model is really. Quite good. I mean, cause, because they're selling to the payer. You know, it's not like you're relying on the consumer to have to write you a check every month for the subscription. They're selling to, you, you know, these large payers like the corporations and the health insurance companies. And that gives you some revenue clarity too, because you, these contracts usually last one to three years. So, like Teladoc, you know, you get that same amount of clarity with these uh, relationships with these, these big payers.
0: Exactly, and so I think another thing with Levongo too, because they've got that relationship directly with the payers. Um, when it comes to diabetes care, I mean, of course, a lot of patients right now who are not on Levongo's platform. You're talking about, you know, paying for all the supplies to actually measure glucose with their system, that's all included and all covered by insurance. So, not only are you helping the patient, but you're also helping them save out-of-pocket costs as well. So This is just an all-around really interesting company. I have to admit, I was a little skeptical when I first heard about them, but the more that I've read about them, um, actually, one of our contributors, Brian Feroldi, just did an interview um, with a a member of their management team recently, published on fool.com. I'd encourage anybody to check that out. Uh, But, Todd, you've got Another stock on your radar as well. Tell us about that.
1: Well, this is another kind of backdoory kind of play on aging in place, and that's home security and personal security. And there's, you know, name that jumps to mind right there would be ADT. And we always see the little signs in the uh, in the front yards of these houses that are protected by ADT. And you know, one of the things that ADT is offering now is senior. Safety solutions and those solutions are not overly expensive. They range from 30 bucks to 40 bucks a month. And you know, it has things like you know, fall detection. Uh, You've got your pendant for medical alert, you could monitor home temperature. So, I mean, if you are, um, you know, concerned about a loved one and you've got someone who's older, you want to make sure that they're going to be safe. And if you're not going to be in the house with them, it's important to make sure that you know that if they, you know, trip, uh, or fall in in their in their house that they're not going to be laying there for multiple hours before you know they can get help. And I think ADT again very small part of their business, but with the runway ahead with demographics, I think it could become a much bigger business. You know, ADT is already, you know, growing, revenue was up 13% year over year, 5% organic growth, 1.3 billion um, so you know you've got a company that's you know fairly good size right now. It gets about 68% of its revenue from you know serving residences, and it generates out a pretty solid amount of free cash flow as well. And that's important because it pays a small dividend. It doesn't yield a lot, but it's nice to always uh, if you can find a good company with a long-term tailwind that also pays a dividend. That's not a bad thing. Um, investors should know though that record holders, uh, so shareholders as of December 13th, which is just a couple of days from now, will be collecting a $0.70 cent special dividend that's associated with ADT selling its Canadian business earlier this year. So, just be aware there could be some funky trading in the stock over the course of the next couple of weeks. Some people may have bought ahead just to get the dividend, they may sell afterwards. So, just keep it on your radar, and if it looks like you get a good buy opportunity, it might be one worth adding to the, pop, uh, to the portfolio.
0: All right. So we've given you a handful of companies to check out in this space. Up next, we've got an insider's view on the aging in place trend. Uh, I recently had the opportunity to talk with a CEO whose company is using technology to drive meaningful patient outcomes, both literally and figuratively. But first, I do just want to take a moment as we head into the final month of the year to say to all of our listeners out there, Thank you. We absolutely love our podcast listeners here at Industry Focus and across all of our shows here at The Motley Fool. I mean, you all send postcards, you write in with show ideas, you rate and review our podcasts, which really helps us reach more and more people. And of course, we also love the reviews, but I will say, there are times where we get a little bit confused. Take this review from M. E. Gary, and I apologize if I am messing up your name, but you you gave us a great review, great podcast, fun, upbeat, and educational. I really look forward to the podcast. Lots of financial topics covered, and a lively, entertaining, and frequently humorous take. I just want to say that's an awesome review, M. E. Gary, and I. Get it, and I appreciate you taking the time to review our show. But you gave us one star. Um, if you have a few seconds, drop us a rating and a review. I promise it only takes a few seconds, and it's a huge help to us. Don't be like Emmy Garrett. You love us, give us five stars. But now, Let's cut over to our interview. And we're back for the second half of today's show. I thought it'd be great to dive a little deeper uh, to really understand the trend of aging in place. So I wanted to feature a privately held company that is uh, helping many do just that. And that's a company called Roundtrip. It's a privately held company, also an investment with the Motley Fool sister company. Motley Fool Ventures, and I've got the CEO joining us today, and that is Mark Swaitaj on the line. Mark, how's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. So glad you could join us. Um, This is a a topic that we we've been diving into and talking about a lot on this industry-focused healthcare show. Got an aging baby boomer population, um, and really the the transportation needs. Um, of that group, and really not even of that group, but anyone who has medical needs is such a huge issue. So can you tell us briefly what exactly is Roundtrip doing to really plug the gap and solve the problem?
2: Sure. Uh, and it actually, I think, goes all the way back to uh, my, my, I'll just say, humble beginnings. So I actually started um, understanding the intersection of uh, the aging population and really the most vulnerable um, and their health care needs through transportation so I actually worked on an ambulance uh, providing direct clinical care for those uh, that were that were in most need obviously um, and saw people from those experiences largely giving up on on health care um, and many of the things that I think all of us take for granted the social aspects of our lives because, the physical act of getting to a destination, it becomes so painful. Um, and so, to really answer the heart of your question, um, we built Roundtrip from those experiences that I had following that passion um, to really streamline, uh, yes, the access to transportation, but really it's the means to the improvement in health and well being. So, Roundtrip, in a nutshell, uh, we are a marketplace for healthcare transportation. So, we work together with organizations. Uh, And that includes hospitals, uh, health systems, and actually, in many cases, Medicare programs, Medicare Advantage plans, um, and public transit agencies even, and others, uh, to empower individuals to get access to rides. Uh, And again, it's not really about the ride. It's about getting them to the destination, to the betterment of health. really want that ride to be the afterthought, not the primary thought.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's such a great point. and it's really uh, to to wrap it all up in a bow. It's about driving better health outcomes for these patients at the end of the day. And you know with your with your humble beginnings, as you said, with your background, you really understand the complexity of medical transport. And I don't think a lot of people just understand all that is involved with all those different partner groups. And it sounds like Roundtrip is really not just helping the patient, but also helping the medical providers who are doing it as well.
2: That's right. So, you know, the population that we're talking about are the most vulnerable. So, um, I'm not talking about me. I, I can access my own ride. I can maybe hop on a city bus, uh, and, and I'm in an urban location. So, we think a lot about people that are in rural America, and the aging population, as we know it, is largely outside of uh, out of the the most urbanized areas. It's those individuals that maybe don't have access to. Public transit uh, that are most at risk, frankly. Um, and so, what we want to do is create, and what we are doing, executing on, is this, this idea of empowering those individuals to gain access to those rides, so that they can contribute to society, so that they can maintain an active lifestyle. Kind of neat. In uh, as we we build and continue to build our company, we learn more and more information every day. So. One of the things that we've uh, unearthed is that uh, 90% of American seniors, kind of a crazy stat, 90% of American seniors would like to age in the comfort of their home. That actually sounds like a stat I think all of us could probably agree to, right? We would all want to uh, stay in our communities. And from that, uh, well, when are there times when that doesn't happen? And that's really when, when you look further into what's called social determinants of health, right? And so that is... Somebody that has a barrier that is uh, not allowing them to remain active in the community. Transportation is one of them. We can probably figure the other ones out, right? Food, housing, uh, access to education, Uh, those are all social determinants of health. Transportation is one of the leading ones. So if somebody doesn't have access to a ride, follow the value chain, right? somebody doesn't have access to a ride, um, there's social isolation questions that come up, there's behavioral health considerations, people are going to get sicker. And if they get sicker, they're going to wind up in the hospital, which is not the right place for them. So how do we walk back from that and say, can we introduce a ride as a benefit to those individuals so that they maintain a healthy and, and active lifestyle? That's exactly what we do. So uh, to give you a couple of really cool use cases, so we'll work together with, let's say, a health care provider organization that is providing what they call population health. So uh, we do this in southern New Jersey, for example, where a health system has identified those individuals of the the profile that I just described most at risk, and they're not all in the urban locations. They are spread out uh, throughout southern New Jersey, which does include some fairly rural spots, and we have created the ability for them to get access to rides so that they can go to those outpatient medical appointments. Um, that they are not worried, if you will, about how to get there. They're thinking more concentrated on the treatment and ultimately the improvement in outcomes. And it's even extended further from there. So we're now working with uh, public transit agencies, as I mentioned, in central Virginia. For example, we work with an organization called GRTC. They are the public transit agency for central Virginia. And through our innovative marketplace, our model, we're empowering those individuals to access rides on demand uh, and they are able to go to the grocery store they're able to go to the movies they're able to go and get food um, all of these things keep them active and healthy in the community what's so interesting is that our, our growth rate maintains a very strong healthy curve through these programs So it's telling me that we're introducing a benefit um... and there's downstream effects those people are keeping uh... uh contributing to society and, and we believe elongating their lives overall
0: and also just driving down the cost that's associated with, you know, long-term hospital stays, um, having to to be in a. a Senior nursing facility. So, I mean, this aging-in-place concept. It sounds like Roundtrip is really um, central to a lot of this. But I want to make sure for our listeners, like, how simple and easy is it for a patient to book a ride? Can you walk us through that booking kind of workflow, both on the the user perspective and on the back end, like what you're actually doing with Roundtrip?
2: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. So um, I'm sure one of the first questions that comes to mind is, hey, wait a second. I have a parent that um, uh, is aging, uh, aging gracefully, um, but, oh, my gosh, that person has no idea how to use a smartphone. So how the heck is this ever going to work for them? Um, and then we have folks that are at, at, at other ends of the spectrum, people that um, uh, are actually a little bit more tech savvy. They do have that smartphone uh, in hand. I know my parents a little a little bit older, they're listening. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a talk to you afterwards, (laughs) but uh, they're pretty active on the cell phone, so they know how to use a a smartphone. Um, So we wanted to make sure we're speaking to multiple populations, but even bringing it to another level. What about folks that have English as a second language, Um, or maybe individuals that have a cognitive or a physical barrier, um, a visual impairment? Uh, We wanted to make sure that we created a model that was able to speak for all. So, uh, Let's talk about that. Let's break it down. Um, There are people that are able to self-serve. Those are the individuals, let's say, that are able to download an app um, or maybe can even navigate through text messaging. We've built out that technology that speaks to them. So those individuals that are highly engaged on their own can do that. But what about the daughter and the son? Oftentimes somebody is negotiating that experience on behalf of that individual or maybe it's a caretaker or a social worker on behalf of that rider. Um, all of those players, as we call them, the care team around that individual, um, are able to engage with Roundtrip on behalf of that individual. Um, And that that self-serve model has worked really well. So we would, let's say, work with a Medicare Advantage plan, which is a hot, hot opportunity right now that we are uh, very much on the forefront and and leading. Uh, We would work together with a Medicare Advantage plan, uh, to allow for those individuals that have been identified under that plan to get rides. So the, the future is here. Your health plan may actually pay for your ride um, to stay active, uh, age in place, get access to your, your, you know, your, your drugs from the pharmacy, go to your outpatient medical appointments, and those rides would be covered by your health plan. Um, and we'd allow those individuals to self-serve through our model. So that's, that's kind of world number one. Uh, world number two would be those that can't do it uh, those are those are particularly the most vulnerable those would be individuals that um, uh, let's say are completely bed confined or um, are most at risk based on again a social um, or other barrier uh, for uh, what they call a readmission to a hospital somebody that frequents a healthcare care provider and through our model we actually work to directly with those uh largely credentialed clinicians, nurses, care managers, social workers that are accessing roundtrip in a um, highly empowered and engaged way. They're able to book multiple rides for multiple people. Um, at the same time, they're able to get population level data and insight to say that, that the rides introduced to a population is actually driving an outcome, a, a positive impact to those individuals. And that's exactly where we're headed with our company, is to say, we, we know rides are a problem. There's a lot of publications and studies out there about rides being an issue or transportation being a major barrier. But there isn't much insight into, by offering rides, are we actually improving health and well-being? Is the investment worth it, so to speak? And that's exactly what we are proving, that through the data that we have amassed, because we've got this neat intersection of healthcare data and ride data, To say, yes, for these populations, by giving them a ride, we actually improved their outcome. That's a a very, very enlightening uh, piece of information that we can give to our clients. And it also shows the value of transportation. Something as simple as a ride can have a major financial impact, like you said, to to the system and obviously to the individual.
0: And I would imagine too. I mean, having uh, being able to show those patient outcomes also comes down to being integrated within the electronic health record system as well. Can you talk about any sort of integration there?
2: Absolutely. So we're we're super proud of this. So following that that value chain, um, we know that there's a lot of information about uh, a particular individual's health and well being that resides in um, in institutions electronic medical record system. So um, we were industry leaders in introducing the ability to offer transportation in an integrated format. So what does that mean? Right within uh, two of the nation's largest electronic medical record systems, uh, Epic and Cerner, uh, healthcare information can be uh, pulled into our software. Rides are able then to be connected with those individuals and thus we're able to then say, Rides were offered to this demographic, this location, this diagnosis class, and by offering rides to cancer patients, for example, those individuals were able to get to their medical appointments and actually have a better outcome. Really cool story. So we're working with uh, a very prominent um, cancer institute, uh, MD Anderson, uh, in in New Jersey, their New Jersey location. And I'll I'll never forget when uh, the executive there, she said to me, it is, it is so different now that we are using round trip that our patients have access to transportation. She had a very simple net promoter score, if you will. She said, here's how I tell if it's working. Before round trip I'd walk down to my lobby, and I would see an entire lobby full of people waiting for a ride. She said, I'd be trying to go home at 7 o'clock at night, and there'd be people in my lobby, and I'm trying to figure out, can I take somebody home? Can I give them $10 to get a cab? What can I do? Um, today... I go home there is nobody waiting in my lobby and we fix that transportation barrier for them. The, the meaning there for, for that executive was seeing her lobby clear. The impact for us was knowing that those individuals are now not focused on the rides or getting home from the medical appointment. They're focused on their, their, their health care and well-being.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Thank you for sharing that. I think that really gives it um, some context as well. But for for Round trip right now, what would you say would be kind of the biggest challenge that you're facing as you're growing this business um, and really trying to get the story of Trip
2: out. Yeah, I think um, uh, the, the opportunity is so large. Uh, I don't think I realized how big this problem was <laughs> when I started Roundtrip. <laughs> um, we've we've gotten international phone calls. I mean, I've, I have received phone calls from, oh gosh, India, France. Uh, South America, Canada. I mean, I could go on and on with countries that have learned about some of the things that we have published uh, on. And, uh, you know, we've just been so focused domestically. I didn't quite appreciate the international um, opportunities that exist. Um, we've also been asked about, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about food. Could we get involved in nonpatient transportation or, or prescription drugs? Could we be bringing, you know pharmaceuticals to patients as opposed to bringing the patient to the pharmacy. Um, there's just so much landscape out there. One of the entrepreneurial's curse is always to spread yourselves too thin too quickly. So we remain very focused as an organization, true to our mission of serving people um, to get them to their, their betterment of health. But I've got to tell you, I, I continue to be astonished uh, at, at how big of a problem this has become even in light of modern transportation options that are out there, um, whether it is mobility as a service, whether it is public transit agencies that have expanded their reach, whether it is rideshare organizations that have become available, um, all all of these tools together can create a marketplace which solves a problem, and that is what Roundtrip is.
0: And so just to close us out, five years from now, where, where is Roundtrip in terms of geographical footprint, and, and what does Roundtrip look like? What else are you doing? I think you kind of hit it at that, but I'm curious to, to dig a little deeper. Five years from now, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, we, we talk about this all the time. Five years, we call it our 10-year vision. So uh, whether it's five years or 10 years, um, we see that we have removed transportation as a barrier health and well-being. but this, We are not talking about rides as uh, the barrier and the problem. We're talking about how we now have engaged individuals and empowering them to be active in their communities. Uh, we're talking about the opportunities, not the barriers.
0: I love that. I love that, Mark. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day to explain Roundtrip and really the opportunity. Truly fascinating, and of course, us here at the Motley Fool—we're long-term investors, and I love the long-term outlook. So, thanks so much for stopping by.
2: Thanks. Thank you.
0: All right, that's it for this week's industry focused healthcare show. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is being mixed by Dan Boyd, and for Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on.